Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Good evening and welcome to The Source. I'm Caitlin Collins, live here on the ground in Tel Aviv tonight, where 11 hostages have just arrived back on Israeli soil after being held hostage by Hamas for 51 days. The Ministry of Health confirms that all 11 are now at the Saraski Medical Center here in Tel Aviv, undergoing medical evaluations while also being reunited with their families. Nine of them are children. The youngest, three-year-old twins, Yuli and Emma. Their mother, Sharon, was also freed today. But these kids have one tragic thing in common. Yuli, Emma, and every single child who was released today have fathers who are still being held hostage tonight. Think about that for a moment, how bittersweet it is to finally, finally be out of Gaza, yet return home knowing that your dad is still in the clutches of terrorists. The hostages released tonight were all kidnapped from the same kibbutz near Oz in southern Israel. They're all also dual citizens, but no one, I should note, released today is an American. The Israel Defense Forces released this video tonight showing the moment that the hostages returned home. Also home tonight, 33 more Palestinian prisoners. They're released following that announcement that there may be more to come. Qatar confirmed CNN's reporting that this temporary truce will now go on for two more days, meaning two more days of hostages potentially being freed, Palestinian prisoners being released, and more aid going into where it's desperately needed, Gaza. I want to bring in CNN's chief global affairs correspondent, Matthew Chance, for more on what we saw happen here on the ground today. And for the hostages who were released, we talked about the fact that uh, so many of them still have fathers who are being held. All of the kids still have, being, have fathers being held. What else do we know about the ones who were released today? Well, I think that's really important, though, that, that they've all got fathers that are still being held hostage because it shows you that even though they've gone through this terribly traumatic event of October the 7th and their captivity for weeks on end inside Gaza, that hasn't ended. There's relief, of course, um, that they've been set free. But they've still got to deal with that trauma that they've got loved ones who are either dead or, you know, and in some cases... The, got loved ones who are dead, or as you say, their fathers are, are captive. Um, there's some other details about them which are quite interesting. They're all um, dual citizens, as you, as you mentioned. And I think that underlines just how international this, um, this disaster has been. You know, it's not just about Israel. There's, there's a whole you know, group of people from, with joint nationalities and, of course, foreign nationals as well who are also affected by this. And, and the fact that you've got 11 people, dual nationalities, with fathers, still hostages, underlines both those points. 
Yeah, and not clear when or if their dads are going to be negotiated for to also get out. We're learning more. You're learning more about how they're being held, how these hostages who are now coming out are, are telling us what it's been like for 51 days. A, a bit more because we've, we've spoken to a relative earlier today of, of some hostages that were released in the first group uh, of uh, under this Israeli hostage deal. And I, I, I spoke to that relative about what they've been told about how uh, they were treated and what conditions they lived in inside, inside Gaza. Take a listen. She doesn't know exactly where it is because they took them from place to place, but they were all together, all of them, the three of them were together all the time. But I can tell you that they ate, but they ate a lot of uh, rice. Uh, sometimes they, they didn't have rice, so they ate only bread. It wasn't that they were eating, you know, fruit and vegetables and vitamins and whatever uh, things that you need. She told me that if you want to go to the toilet, you have to knock on the door. And only after one and a half hour, two hours, they open the door and you can go to the bathroom. They weren't beaten or tortured. They got, uh, they they were in a closed uh, room. They weren't with them. The, The room was locked. And they were by themselves, and that's it. Yeah, uh, and so you know, a good picture there of the sort of conditions that that group of hostages were kept in. But of course, there are so many uh, people still in Gaza, so many hostages, all in very different situations, some with different militant groups, uh, some with families, I mean, who knows, you know, criminal groups. Um, and so you know, everybody's going to have a different story when it comes to the treatment. Yeah. The other thing, uh, part of this is the Palestinian prisoners who are being released. As soon as the Israeli hostages are back, that's when they're they're sent back to to the West Bank. It's 33, I believe, today. What more do we know about about who was released? Yeah, 33, um, because it's a a ratio of three to one that's that's been agreed. Uh, And by the way, a senior government official told me earlier tonight that that ratio will continue uh, under the the, the next releases. Uh, that take place as well, because that was previously agreed to, when, you know, 10 for every day of a uh, pause in the fighting. Um, you know, these people are women and children. Uh, they're, you know, um, uh, often, in often, in number of cases, um, detained under, yeah, they're imprisoned because of, uh, you know, the, the special rules in, 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 in Israel, which allow the authorities to arrest people um, uh, to prevent them from committing crimes in the future. It's, it's a very, this is administrative detention, it's called. It's a very controversial law in Russia, but a lot of the people who have been uh, detained in Israeli jails and are being released as part of this prisoner, prisoner deal, um, you know, uh, have been detained on, on that basis, so without trial and without being accused publicly of any crime. Yeah, um, I guess we will see that continue based on what you're hearing. Matthew Chance, thank you for that reporting. Of course, what today meant for so many and with the release of the nine more children who were Israeli hostages, that means 30 children total, kids who were hostages for over seven weeks, are now free. But there are many who are not, including a 10-month-old baby. In the last four days, we have seen some incredibly emotional reunions. Today, nine-year-old Emily Hand discharged from the hospital that she was at here in Israel. Her father, Thomas, initially believed and was told that she had been killed on October 7th, only to find out weeks later that she was a hostage. Tonight, she is back in her father's arms, doing better than expected, he tells us. Mayan Zine's nightmare came to an end when she got to hold her 8-year-old and 15-year-old daughters, Ella and Daphna, and for four-year-old Abigail Adan, she is also back with her family tonight, as you can see here in these photos released from the hospital. She's with her aunt and her grandmother. 
But notice she is not with her parents, who were murdered in front of her by Hamas on October 7th. That's why these reunions are the definition of bittersweet, if you can even call it that. Many of them are coming home to families that are no longer whole tonight. Roughly 107 people, 170 people are still being held hostage by Hamas and other militant groups in Gaza tonight. For those hostages' families, all they can do is hold out hope for their return. You can count Yardine Roman, Roman's loved ones among them. She was captured on October 7th along with her husband and her three-year-old daughter, Geffen. At one point, the three were able to escape by jumping out of a car that was taking them to Gaza. They fled on bare feet as Hamas shot at them, which is when Yardine handed Geffen to her husband, knowing that he could outrun her. Her husband and their three-year-old daughter survived by hiding for hours, but she was recaptured. And I'm joined now by her cousin, Maya Roman, back here again with us tonight. And thank you for coming back tonight. I just wonder, what was your reaction when you heard that they announced that there would be a two-day extension to the truce that was supposed to end tonight? We were very pleased, of course. Uh, We knew or we could... uh, We believed that Yorden would not be released among these first 50 hostages because uh, she is a mother currently separated from her child, but she's not within the categories highlighted uh, for these first 50 released. Um, And so we were very pleased. Uh, We would like to see the, you know, the release go on because we're not sure she'd be back even within these two days. We actually just got word that she won't be among those released tomorrow. and so we are hoping that the, the more we can see more releases that maybe we'll get her. And her sister-in-law, Carmel, also kidnapped. Um, we can see them back home. And just for people who aren't familiar with how this is working on a daily basis, when Israel gets the list from Hamas, they call not only the loved ones whose family members are on that, but they also call the families whose are not. And y'all, you got a call tonight that Yarden was not on the list for tomorrow. Yeah, true. Um, I'm so sorry. I think it's very important that they call every day, even to those who whose loved ones won't be released. Um, today, actually, the release was so uh, postponed that the call was just a few hours before the release. And um, yeah, it's very hard. Very hard days are, uh, it's very hard days for the families. Have you been able to hear from any of the other hostages coming in have they seen her? Do they have any updates on her condition? Anything? Unfortunately, we don't have any any concrete knowledge. We understand that the hostages are kept in smaller groups, so uh, it's not that surprising. But uh, no, no one, uh, we haven't received any word so far. You and I spoke the other night, and we talked about what it's like for, for her. And I didn't realize she turned 36 on October 22nd. And you're just a few months older than she is. You talk about how at these family events, you're always together. You wrote something that it just touched me. And you said, I strongly feel her absence in time when things get out of control, when everyone is working and talking in a frenzy, she's not there to calm us down, to remind us that what matters is life and death. And you said, this this is a situation of life and death. You said, for the last two weeks, I've been trying to write sophisticated texts for the press and explain why there's a moral obligation to return the hostages. But in the end, I just want my cousin back because our family is incomplete without her. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, her absence is, is strongly felt. She is um, very different amongst the cousins. She's the quiet one. She's the one who likes nature. And, um, you know, on the one hand, we believe that um, she's the one best equipped to handle what she's probably going through. She's so mentally strong. And on the other hand, we just we really miss her dearly. And especially during this week when, um, 
it's been a very hard week every day waiting for the call, you know, hoping that maybe even though we try to keep I mean, our expectations low. I can't that feeling that you're just waiting every night for the phone to ring. Yeah. And either it's really good news or it's, it's not the news that you want. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, I think there are a lot of families going through the same thing and, and we're very happy for the other families. We know some of them very closely and it's been, it's very moving to see them come back. Um, but yeah, but it's really hard to, to go through it every day. You try to keep your expectations low, but still you always have this, you know, little inkling of, but maybe, just maybe we'll, we'll hear that today is the day and, um, and of course she and has. it's not. Her three and a half year old daughter that you said, you know, every time she, she insists on opening the door, yeah. it doesn't look to see who it is. I know you were also at the Knesset today hearing about the atrocity that happened that day and the sexual assault, the rape of women in a hearing. What did you hear from those survivors? It's a, it was a very hard day. Uh, we were there to really talk about how the issue of the kidnapping, forcibly separating a mother from her child, is also a case of violence against women, which we believe the world should acknowledge. Uh, and at that same hearing, we heard testimonies uh, from Zaka, who treat the dead mm -hmm. bodies, and from the armed forces about just atrocities, um, bodies mutilated, um, Things that I won't even repeat because they're so explicit. I don't know if you want them on your show. But, but terrible, terrible things. The, the Zaka representative started crying at a certain point, And it was a very hard hearing for everyone involved. But um, I think it was very important. All of the... There were a lot of ambassadors present who um, talked about how they're going to take these uh, testimonies back to their countries and also try and affect organizations such as UN Women and, and global organizations dealing with uh, women's rights, which have been um, much too silent. And uh, it's very hurtful, especially for us in the feminist community in Israel, which I am part of, to see, you know, our sisters now stay silent or, or not believe the testimonies of women. Um, it's just horrendous, I think. Completely agree, and thank you for saying that and for being there. And I know that could was only incredibly difficult for you to be there. And thank you for coming, even though you did not get the news that you wanted. We are hoping that you do get that. Thank you, Maya. Thank you. As always. Ahead, there are many more families like Maya's who are still waiting on word tonight. Their, their families, their loved ones, still hostages in captivity. Some have new hope tonight with this truce being extended for two more days. Major, major question, though, is whether or not it is going to hold. We also have new reporting about the White House's expectations, why two Americans that they hoped would be released today were not. Our coverage on the ground here in Israel will return in just a moment. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Families have a lot going on. 
Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Two American women that the White House was anticipating would be released today were not. And instead, they remain in captivity in Gaza tonight. A senior Biden administration official says they do not believe that Hamas was intentionally holding back the Americans. But the confusion over their fate is just one of the ongoing issues that the White House is dealing with as they are closely monitoring this ongoing temporary truce. As it as it has come out over the last three days, we don't really know until you get into the end game who's going to be actually on that list. And, and then even then, you got to watch closely to seeing if who's on the list is the folks that actually come out. So we're watching and, and hoping. With me now is prominent Israeli journalist Nadav Ayal. Glad to have you back here because obviously you've been such a, a helpful voice on this. With the Americans not being released, you know, the White House is trying to anticipate why is this happening? Why are they not on a list they thought they would be? Yeah. What's your sense of whether or not Hamas is using them as leverage as they are all the hostages? Yeah, I, I would guess that they are used as leverage. And we have been seeing Hamas playing and playing these sadistic day, games all along, including this night. They wanted those twins, Caitlin, that you spoke about in the beginning of your show, Emma and Yuli, three-year-old, to be released without their mother. It's not only the dad who stayed behind because Hamas wouldn't let him go. They wanted to release them without their mother at the beginning. Is that why there was such a delay today? Yes, that was one of the reasons that we had this delay, because Israel simply wouldn't have it. And they've been doing this all along. And they know the American hostages are a powerful con in Washington, and for them, going forward, and they're playing for time. What do you make of, I mean, it's quiet here right now, first off, I should note. Last time I was here, you could hear, Gaza's not that far, you could hear the bombardment that was happening there. Obviously, Mm. that's because this temporary truce is in place. It got extended today. Why do you think Hamas agreed to a two-day extension here? Hamas is playing for time because it wants to have a permanent ceasefire. A permanent ceasefire for Hamas means a win. It means a victory. They did this. They invaded Israel. They had their ethnic cleansing and their massacres here. And now they get a ceasefire and negotiated prisoner release as far as they are concerned. And this is where they want to go. So every day of pose is actually playing for them as long as Israel is releasing its prisoners for them. And these prisoners, uh, it's very important to note, are being released to the West Bank mostly, most of them. By the way, those who will be released tomorrow, some of them will be released to the sovereign state of Israel. So these are Israeli citizens convicted of terror attacks or or terror attempts, and they'll be released into Israel. This is a big win for Hamas. This means that for Hamas, it's presenting itself in the West Bank. And here, even with sympathizers of terror within Israel, as, you know, the the, uh, flag barrier... And this is something that they want to continue. Well, and there are some of these Palestinian prisoners who, who are being held here on, they don't have any charges, they have, they've not faced any trials. I mean, it has raised a lot of questions. It's deeply controversial for those reasons. But the other issue that I've heard from Israelis here that they raise is, 
They worry about the cycle of terror because there have been previous prisoner swaps where Israel has agreed to let 1,000 Palestinian prisoners go Mm -hmm. to get one IDF soldier back. And now we've seen that person is the head of Hamas. Yeah, Yichir Sinwar is the head of Hamas. And he was released in the Shalit deal deal in which uh, 10,017 prisoners, uh, many of them convicted uh, of murder. One of them was Yichir Sinwar. By the way, he was convicted for murdering Palestinians. He was labeled in the Gaza Strip as the butcher of Hanunas. And this is the place he comes from. And he was murdering people who were negotiating or talking with the Israeli security services. And this is the reason he went to, to prison, not for murdering Israelis, but for murdering Palestinians. And he became the leader of Hamas. And there is a, an incredible story that's been published uh, by Channel 12 and verified by the Otokonot and where I work, about Sinwar actually meeting some of the Israeli hostages underground in the tunnels. The door opens, Yichir Sinwar walks in, he says in Hebrew to the Israeli hostages, my name is Yichir Sinwar, they identify him, and he says, you're safe here. And of course, the reason he came there, Israeli sources are saying, is not to make sure they're safe. He came there to send a message, and he also came there, as these types of leaders do, to see what he has done, to see in front of him those Israelis that were kidnapped. What you're saying is the head of Hamas went underground to the tunnels where some of these hostages were being kept. He spoke to them in Hebrew and told them that they were safe. Yeah. After they had just been kidnapped, their families had just been murdered, many of them had been raped, and he was talking to them? He was just saying that. So this message, he knew that they'll be carrying this back home. And he, of course, didn't go underground. He's living underground. These are the areas in which he's operating for the last 50 days. And you can assume that when he ordered this attack against Israel, he knew full well that he needs to be prepared to being underground for a very, very long time. Out of fear for his life. I mean, but why, why do you think he went and spoke to them? I mean, he, he knew some of them would likely be released, would come back and would tell people that that happened. Well, the only thing I can think about is the sort of uh, psychopath uh, killer that comes to the scene of the crime. This is the only thing I can think about. And the message is I'm in control here and I want to see those victims and to see what I have done. Uh, and I think that this was his, his message coming back to Israel. You know, I'm in control here and to those hostages, to those Israelis that came from these kibbutzim, look at me. You know, I, I, I'm responsible for you right now. This reassurance, of course, means nothing for them, the fact that he's saying, you're safe. He didn't need to do that by himself. He wanted to do that. And this is something about Sinwar. There's a reason he was called the butcher of Hanunas many years before ordering this attack against Israel. It's remarkable. Nadav Ayal, thank you for that reporting, which your outlet, you said, confirmed. Just remarkable as we follow this two-day extension. Thank you for being here. Thank you. There's more to come tonight on the release of 11 more hostages today. My next guest had four of her relatives freed. Her uncle, though, who was seen on the right here in these photos, he is still missing. He is still believed to be being held hostage. He is also critically ill. She's not only pleading to bring him home, but she's also asking, where is the Red Cross and why have they not checked on him and the other hostages who are still in Gaza tonight? We only saw the Red Cross moving people from the kidnappers to the cars. We we didn't hear anything else. And one wonders, what is the role? 
More on that question right after a quick break. For some families here in Israel, the past few days have been a mixture of elation and agony. Imagine for a moment that after 50-plus days held captive, several of your loved ones are now back in your arms. There are tears of joys, but your other close relatives are still in the hands of terrorists tonight. My next guest is experiencing just that. Four of her family members have now been freed as a part of this temporary truce, including her 34-year-old cousin, Doron Katz-Asher, and Doron's two children, 4-year-old Roz and 2-year-old Aviv. Her 78-year-old aunt, Margalit Moses, was seen here rejoicing, hugging her niece, Efrat, in an Israeli, an Israeli hospital. But her 80-year-old uncle, Gadi Moses, is somewhere in Gaza tonight, still in the hands of Hamas. He's ill, he needs his medicine, and his niece says that she's praying for his return. And joining me now is Efrat Machikawa. I'm so glad to have you here, especially now that you have gotten some hopeful news. I know that there is still some of your family that is being held, but, but for Margalit and for the others who have made it home, even the two tiny ones, oh, I mean, they're so young. How, how are they doing? What can you tell us? First, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for covering this continuing situation. They're all good. It's a complicated situation, but there's so much love within the family and the friends and the community that we hope that will somehow help them and make up for the terrible experience they went through. But we're hopeful. We're very hopeful. What have they told you about how they were held, what kind of conditions they were kept in, you know, were they fed? My aunt, Margalit Moses, um, is a hero. She's a very special woman, but these days I really adore her, especially after hearing her story. She was very uh, calm. And once they got to where they got down in the tunnels, she actually took the role of taking care of others. And she helped many of them. Even in the tiny little things like getting up from the mattress, they're all very old. They were all the old, all the oldies together. So it was, it was challenging. And knowing she was there for all the others, I think um, made her even stronger. And I think it's a lesson for all of us. We don't have to be masculine or we don't have to have special powers. There is something inside us that is growing stronger when we're in the weakest point. And I adore that in her. And we were very, very lucky. She was, she was okay. But from what I hear, I understand that what it wasn't the same with everybody. And that's our worry. And this is the worry that we have regarding my uncle. He is still Moses. being held tonight. He is still in another place. We have no information at all. We have no idea whether he's alive or not. We hope he is. He is critically ill. And now for two months without his medicine, we're we're fearing for his life and so for all the others there are so many 
elderlies and kids with chronically diseases and so many of them, there are tens of them critically, probably in a critical condition now. Because he takes medication on a yes, daily basis. He does. And so going without it for, for coming in on yes. two months now. That and would yet, kill anyone, you know. I mean, this is why we're so worried about it. And this is why I think one of the urgent subjects we have to talk about and get an immediate solution is the medicine and the medical care. We need information, a sign of life, but we also need some somebody to go and make sure they are alive and they get their medication because chronically ill people cannot go for such a long time without it. It's well, a life-saving. The Red Cross was supposed to be able to go in and yeah. visit the refugee or the hostages, excuse me, who have not been able to come out. But so far, we have not heard anything that they've been able yeah. to go in. I mean, I don't want to be unkind, but we only saw the Red Cross moving people from the kidnappers to the cars. We, we didn't hear anything else. And one wonders, what is the role of either the Red Cross or any other international institution or body? We are talking about two long months. It has been for us like a long, long one nightmare, you know? And how come nobody have seen them? How come no one knows where they are? And how come they're not being treated with the basic, basic needs to survive? And really the medicine is what worries me the most now. And I just think that everybody should know every minute that passes, that mean, might mean death for one of the kidnapped. And you're worried that, that even if they get to negotiating for, for men, for the elderly men, that, that they may not survive that long? No, they're not. And they're not only, by the way, elderly with the uh, chronic sick. We know that there are young kids and um, young men within that group as well. And I think this should be the top priority of the negotiations. Yeah. Somebody must be there for them with the medication, but definitely also bring them all back home. Afrat, I know that this is a bittersweet time for you. Thank you for coming on to talk about your uncle, and we will continue to talk about Thank him. Thank you so much. Thank you for your kind sympathy and for understanding this is such an important issue to cover Absolutely. for all the world. Thank you very much. Thank you. Also tonight, back in the U.S., there are three Palestinian college students who are in intensive care right now after they were shot over the weekend. Authorities are investigating the possibility that it was a hate crime. With the suspect now in court today, we'll give you the latest developments and also speak to the uncle of one of the victims. That's in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. 
So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protest that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. We're learning new details tonight about the moment that police arrested the suspect who is now accused of shooting three Palestinian college students who are visiting Vermont on their holiday break. Police say that when they approached 48-year-old Jason Eaton at his home on Sunday, he said, and I'm quoting him now, I've been waiting for you. He then, however, pleaded not guilty to three counts of attempted second-degree murder. He is now being held without bail tonight. Police are still investigating if this shooting was a hate crime. Here's what happened for those who don't know. On Saturday, Eaton allegedly walked up to the three 20-year-olds as they had passed his apartment building, and he shot at them without saying a single word. All three remain in intensive care tonight. We did get word that one may be released soon. Kinan Abdel Hamid, a student at Haverford College in Pennsylvania, was shot in the glute. His friend Tahseen Ali Ahmad, a student at Trinity College in Connecticut, still has a bullet in his chest tonight. And Hisham R. Tani, a student at Brown University in Rhode Island, has a bullet lodged in his spine. Hisham's uncle, Rich Price, joins me now. And Rich, I just want to say thank you, first off, for being here for tonight. And we are thinking of all three of them. Can you just tell me how they're doing, how all three of them are faring tonight? Well, first of all, thank you for having me and have a chance to talk about these three incredible young men. Um, I've been with them since uh, they, they've been our house guests, our, our guests for Thanksgiving, as they have been the last few years. And um, they have demonstrated in incredible resilience, incredible strength. Um, I think it's especially my nephew, Hisham, who uh, is has no movement from the, the waist down. Um, as you said, has a bullet lodged in his spine. He faces a very long road uh, to recovery. Have doctors given you any indication about just how long that road could potentially be? We're, we're trying to stay optimistic, Caitlin. And um, we know that in a circumstance like this, it's, it's not just medical help. It's also uh, the strength and resilience of the individual. And in that department, Hisham, if anyone can do it, Hisham can do it. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, we're just, I can't even imagine being in this position, being an uncle and knowing that this has happened to your nephew. And uh, we're hoping that that road to recovery is a lot shorter than, than even they're, they're saying it could be. H have they been able to, to shed any new light on what happened? I mean, the fact that they were just walking by this suspect's apartment, that he said nothing to them. Is there anything else that they've offered about what, what unfolded? As I said, they were our house guests for Thanksgiving. On Saturday, it was our eight-year-old twins' uh, birthday party. These three young men, uh, college juniors, agreed to come to this birthday party with us. Uh, very graciously, they played with our boys. We had just come back from the birthday party. 
and they decided to take a, a stroll around the block to get some fresh air. They were just walking, um, talking amongst themselves. They were wearing their uh, kafiyas, which are traditional Palestinian scarves. And this gentleman stepped out of the dark and pulled out a handgun and sh fired four times. And um, my nephew Hisham was struck twice. Um, and, but all three were, were struck by um, bullets. And it's, it's inconceivable that something like this could happen in our community. And, you know, these three young men grew up in Ramallah. They're best friends from growing up. They grew up under uh, military occupation. And who would imagine that they would come to a place like this to celebrate Thanksgiving? And this is when their lives would be at risk. And just to think that this is something that they do every year, that they were just there. Uh, I mean, I know that you've said you don't want your comments to interfere with any ongoing investigation. I, I we'll be respectful and cautious of that for sure. But is it clear to you that this was a hate crime? I believe that there is a right to presumption of innocence and due process and that there is a legal threshold that um, Attorney George here in Vermont and, and federal uh, agencies need to meet to, to pursue that. But for us, for the families, I think it's quite clear that this is uh, a hate crime, that this is um, driven by hate, and that it's probable that these young men were targeted because of what how they looked, how they were dressed, and what language they were speaking. It's just despicable. And Rich Price, I want to thank you again for coming on tonight to talk about something that is so painful. Please tell all of them, your nephew Hisham, every single one of them, that we are wishing them a speedy recovery tonight. We're all thinking of them. Thank you. Thank you. We'll continue to follow that story in the updates as that investigation is ongoing. We're hearing from federal officials about the matter. Also continuing to follow the, follow the news that we got here in Tel Aviv tonight, that that temporary truce will be extended by two days. Also what the Pope told the son of one hostage. That's next. Good evening. We've just learned also breaking news tonight that Israel has received the next list of hostages from Hamas who are slated to be released tomorrow. They have started to notify the family members of those who are on that list. Of course, as we saw today, that list can change. It remains to be seen what happens with this one. But that is breaking news tonight. And it comes as one Israeli community is welcoming home 11 family members and friends tonight. What we have learned is that every hostage who was released by Hamas today was taken from that kibbutz near Oz. But others from that same kibbutz remain held in Gaza tonight, including 75-year-old Alexander Danzig, who is not only a son of Holocaust survivors, he's a renowned expert on the Holocaust himself. Tonight, his family is desperate to get him home, and even the Pope knows Alexander's story. <laughs> 
Every night, Yuval Danzig watches from his living room as Israeli hostages are released and reunited with their families. For me, everyone that go out is like one of my family members. He watches, knowing that his 75-year-old father, Alexander Danzig, won't be one of them. I'm sure that he will want all the children out before him, yes. I'm sure. On October 7th, Yuval's dad was at home in Niroz when Hamas attacked, killing or kidnapping more than a quarter of residents of the kibbutz. My uncle is also kidnapped, my, uh, the brother of my mother, and uh, all of them were in the kibbutz. He had 14 family members in Nero's that day, including an uncle who was kidnapped and Yuval's brother-in-law and mom who fought off the terrorist. My brother-in-law fought the, fought the terrorist for like one an hour, hour and a half with only a pistol. And my mother also, another American, that she held the door for seven hours while they tried to open it with two nephews inside. His dad wasn't as lucky. Yuval was the last person to speak with him that day. He said that something will be okay. We can manage this. And then, then we finished the talk. And uh, from this time, he didn't answer again. For 52 days, his father has been held in Gaza without the daily medication that he's taken since his heart attack four years ago. How worried are you about him? Very much, very much. Uh, we don't know if he can survive this situation for 50 days, so you know. He need to take medication, he need to eat properly. For Yuval and his family, a glimmer of hope as two of his dad's neighbors were released, Narit Cooper and Yeheved Lipschitz. They say he was, uh, he was alive and fine when he was kidnapped. Five days after the October 7th attack, Yuval's 13-year-old son had his bar mitzvah, without grandpa there to celebrate. Yes, was really tough day because we were really waiting to this bar mitzvah because he is the only only boy in his uh, from the grandchildren so we really waited for this bar mitzvah but uh, we had to do it without him for weeks Yuval has been traveling to Poland where his dad was born to raise awareness about the hostages and to Rome where he met with the Pope when I told him about my dad he stopped me and he said, I know this story from before, and I know, the, I know him from before. The Pope knew about your dad? Yeah, it was really amazing for us. When they are reunited, Yuval says he has so much to tell his dad. I want to tell him what happened here from the beginning. For now, Yuval says he has no choice but to believe that one evening it will be his dad on the news on his way home. Are you hopeful that he'll be released? I'm sure he will be released. Why are you so sure? Because we have to be. We have to have hope, because if we don't have hope, we can't do nothing, you know. He's thought so much about his dad's eventual release. He's even thought about which hospital he should go to. We'll be back in just a moment. Tomorrow, Jimmy Carter, expected to attend the memorial service for his late wife, Rosalind and he and Rosalind are married for 77 years. They were the longest married presidential couple. President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden will also attend that tribute tomorrow, along with every living former First Lady, we are told. Tonight, Rosalind Carter is lying in repose at the Carter Center in Atlanta, where members of the public are paying their respects to her. 
We'll be covering that live here on CNN tomorrow. I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight from Tel Aviv. Laura Coates Live starts right now. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.